I do think our really natural and original state of being is one of transpermeable consciousness where we understand that our consciousness isn't located just to ourselves and our body. It's actually spread out over the entire ecosystem and past, present and future. So we can connect and have experiences with ancestors, with animals, with trees, with the whole ecosystem. We, sh we do share a mind with them all, but we just forgot. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. The reason why I absolutely love the Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar Complex is they contain not one, but five powerful organic superfoods. I love apple cider vinegar because it's been, you know, revered for centuries, but not that many people use it today. And it has ability to kind of improve fat burning and to reduce blood sugar. I also just interviewed this wonderful woman who studied antidepressive effects of apple cider really? vinegar. Really? Yeah, and she didn't yet pinpoint the mechanism, but it was in a group of college students. It was really clear that it did exert some sort of antidepressive effect. And then we combined it with cinnamon and ginger and turmeric because these are all very metabolically supportive spices that not a lot of people are consuming. So this is kind of like improving your digestion, keeping your blood sugar stable, actually helping you to eat less. And so yes, just a complex uh, of different spices and foods that will work with your body. Please consider adding apple cider vinegar organic, of course, to your diet like I do. You can go ahead and find it on my website under the recommended products. Just scroll down and find Paleo Valley. You'll see all their wonderful products there, which I use all the time. You can use my coupon code to save 10%, Amy Fournier 10, that's all caps, A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R 10, enjoy. Hey everybody, I'm here with my friend Hannah Marabani from Seben Solis. I have so many favorite products from her line that I have in my e-store on my website. I love them so much, I put them on there and want to share them with you. And one of my favorites is called Magic Sleep. Wow, it has Moroccan argan oil, jojoba, geranium. It's an amazing product. And most importantly, it helps me sleep for those nights that maybe I was up a little too late. Hannah, can you explain to us what exactly is the magic behind magic sleep? It's uh, formulated based on ancient Persian and Chinese medicine. It's our most difficult and intricate formula at Seben Solis. Uh, it takes a lot of time to produce it. We have these little cards that we uh, put into our package it shows that you have to use the bottom of your feet which has the largest pores in, in your entire body to massage it in and you have to use your fingers because the tips of your fingers have these little tiny chakras these little energy points that warm up your those um acupuncture kidney points as we call them in chinese medicine it warms it up and it allows for this uh beautiful serum oil serum to be penetrated into your body the soles of the feet are a focal point of nerve endings and a direct access to the organs in your body and the feet and ankle in 
Chinese medicine have acupuncture points on a kidney meridian. And in Chinese medicine, the kidneys are very, very important for sleep. So when you put pressure on those two points that you see on our um, cards, on our magic sleep cards, and when you start pressuring them and massaging it, it allows you to have a very restful, restful sleep fall asleep faster. And I've heard a lot of people say that it promotes their um, lucid dreaming. Every now and then I have insomnia just from working too late near a computer. Um, and it works. Try yours, you guys, at a discount. Fit Amy TV 10 at checkout. Enjoy getting some Z's. <laughs> Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. This show is about helping you to be healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. My friends, do you know what your soul stamp is? What is a soul stamp? Have you ever heard that expression? Well, I had neither, and I think it's really cool, and it's actually quite perfectly descriptive, isn't it? You're going to love today's episode. Today, I sit down with Teresa Dentino, who was recommended to come on my show by another guest who was one of your favorites, as well as one of mine, the one and only Lisa Lindahl. You want to check out that episode? We'll put the link for you in the show notes. But you know what they say, birds of feather flock together. And uh, Lisa had recommended that I reach out to Teresa to have her on the show. And boy, I'm glad I did. Teresa is, wow, this woman is prolific. Let me tell you. She's an ancestral strega, an earth worker, an initiated diviner, author of eight and a half books, and co-author of the Oskin Oracle. For more than 30 years, Teresa has studied and practiced on earth-based spirituality. In 2011, she was initiated as a diviner in a West African tradition. She currently helps others reclaim their personal medicine lineages through her divination work. Teresa's most recent book, co-authored with her niece, is the Oskin Oracle. Teresa is also the author of Membranes of Hope, a guide to attending to the spiritual boundaries that keep life systems healthy from the personal to the cosmic. The Tree Medicine Trilogy, which includes the Amazon Pattern, a message from the ancient women diviners of trees and time. Notes from a diviner in the postmodern world, a handbook for spiritual workers and teachings from the trees and spiritual monitoring from the standing ones. Wow. I mean, eight and a half books. That's crazy. You're going to love this episode. I thought it was really interesting and I learned a lot. We talk about the law of reciprocity. This is a principle that comes up a lot on my show. It's why I've learned all the ancient cultures that are deeply spiritual and loving in nature all have this common principle of you never just take, you always give back no matter what it is. So that's a really interesting part of the show. We also talk about how do you connect with trees anyway? Like, come on, how does it really work? Do you really hear what they're saying? And what do they say? We talk about divination and invocation, listening and receptivity. I asked Teresa, what are some of her favorite practices that she does to stay connected? And then I ask her about dark magic and black magic or sorcery. Have you had any, you know, run-ins with that when you're bringing up people's lineages? 
And of course, we get into the soul stamp, your soul pattern, how to be fierce, how to be a heroine in your own life, connecting with your own spiritual lineage, and how to communicate with maybe somebody that's on the other side, a deceased loved one. And lastly, we talk about a very important distinct difference between having skills and having gifts. And Teresa gives her advice on finding a mentor because you might have been born with gifts and abilities, but to have a skill and to use it effectively and to really help people, you probably need a mentor. You're going to want to hang out toward the end of the show to listen to that one. So sit back, relax, enjoy this beautiful conversation with Teresa Dentino. And we're back, everybody. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's get into your work. As I mentioned in the introduction, wow, are you prolific? You are, um, wow. I mean, how many books do you have? What, nine? Eight and a half. Yeah, well, nine. Because one is a co-author. So Yeah. yeah, incredible, incredible. I don't know how you do it. That's very impressive. And you started as a writer. So let's just start with a synopsis kind of of what you what got you along the, the priestess path. And mm. you, writing has always been your thing. And how did you kind of find your way into this line of work? Yes, it's been it's been an interesting evolution, you know, and and it's always interesting as, as one ages to be able to kind of look backward and for me kind of notice how it's all been the same path, even though it might look like it's different paths. So the writing, you know, I went, when I went to college, I majored in English. And before that, I I had not at all um, thought about being a writer or, or anything like that. Um, But I took a couple of creative writing classes and I was kind of hooked and just really, I think for me, it's the depth um, I can tap into through the writing process, the creativity. And, and it turns out that I, I love to, I research. I really love to go and do research and discover I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. So it really feeds that part of me that wanting to understand, wanting to know why, go deeper, deeper, deeper. So and and I have I'm kind of um a, a an in, an extroverted introvert, one of those people. So I need a lot of time alone. So the writing just really fed me very deeply on a soul level. And it it <laughs> It's what I landed on in college was English and reading and writing. And in my department, there was a women's studies um, program. It was when those were all starting out. And I'd always been a feminist. Like even before I identified as a writer, I identified as a feminist. And before that, I had always had experiences of interacting with what I would call now the other dimensional realms. But I, I didn't really have language for it. But I did grow up in an Italian-American family where it was very normalized, you know, having experiences with ancestors, people who had died, um, just it, it was just so normalized to have 
non-ordinary experiences. It was never laughed at or anything. So all of that kind of fed into the writing once I chose that path. And I began, so my first book was a kind of an autobiographical novel about my family that I has not been published. And then I was, I was, I don't know I when what happened, but it was my Saturn return 29. Um, I had an encounter with an owl that led me to Lilith, to the goddess Lilith. And I was thinking about it this morning when I was thinking about being on this show. I can't believe I went 29 years without the goddess, not knowing about the goddess. <laughs> Like in the past, when I told this story, I always, you know, kind of said on my Saturn return, I, I had an encounter with an owl and it led me to the goddess Lilith, which opened that vast door to me to Maria Gimbutas and all the women centered cultures of the Neolithic in Europe. And that's it. Once I found Crete, you know, I was hooked and I went on to write a novel about a snake priestess in Minoan Crete. And so that's officially my first novel. But I couldn't believe it this morning when I was thinking, like, how did I go 29 years? Yeah, so my first two novels are historical novels, um, which get classified as fantasy because non-ordinary things happen. That when I told that that's the I was told that's the definition of fantasy. Really? So they're not historical fiction because non-ordinary things happen so that makes them fantasy i think that's just ordinary is relative though is it ordinary to you is it ordinary to me you know what might be ordinary to one person is an unordinary to another right yeah so says who who says it's that's a relative yeah well says the publishing industry exactly that's what i'm saying like wow that says a lot right Well, hopefully that'll be changing eventually as these things, you know, we develop our, our, and I, and I'm excited to get into this with you because obviously that leads us into a lot of your work is, you know, developing these senses, you know, we think of it as the sixth sense, but I've heard it say, I think it was Dr. Christian Northrup that says it should be the first sense Mm. that awareness, you know, that, 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 uh, je ne sais quoi, you know, that, that, that thing that knowing, that gnosis, that intuition, whatever it is, that, that hit that we get, that we can't put our finger on it, but it's very real and very strong. And that's, I'm assuming, a very big part of your work. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, yes. Um, I have come to call it transpermeable consciousness. This is a new term I coined. Um, and I do think you're right. I, I believe it really is more of our ordinary consciousness as humans, but that we've really shut it down. And that's been a really long story of how that happened. And it's been multiple things that have brought us to a place where we think that's non-ordinary. But I do think our our really natural and original state of being is one of transpermeable consciousness, where we understand that our consciousness isn't located just to ourselves in our body it's actually spread out over the entire ecosystem and past present and future so we can connect and have experiences with ancestors with animals with trees with the whole ecosystem we sh- we do share a mind with them all but we just forgot 
So when we talk about that, and that's certainly not a new concept to my audience, what does that look like in the practical day for 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 you? And just again, just for us and the audience sake, like, okay, I can wrap my brain around we're all one and there's this collective unconscious like Carl Jung talks about. But how does that really translate to, you know, the mom of three who's got carpool duty, who's got to get dinner ready by six, that is overworked and underpaid and, you know, just tired and whatever. And maybe she lost one of her parents and misses them. And, okay, I know I can connect with them, but they're not here, but their soul is eternal. Like, how does this all really translate? I would just love your take and your wisdom with your experience, Teresa, on that to the to the everyday person listening going, yeah, but how is this really going to help me in my life, you know? Well, I think that if one really taps into this and starts to live out of that understanding, that you feel much more supported in your life. You feel much more resourced. And in fact, you are. You're more resourced. And you have a lot more friends than you might have thought you did. In other words, when I go for my walk every day, I meet all my tree friends. I meet my water friends. I meet just even the place where I walk is a friend and has come to know me. And I know it on a very different level, on a soul level. I'm, I know that I am known to that place. And it's not my, you know, human self. It's my soul self that's walking and communing and, and understanding community on that level. So it would it also gives people a deeper feeling of community, which I feel like so many people are longing for. And it, it is right there. You do have to make a practice of interacting with it. But after a while of doing that, it is just right there for you when when you need it. And you don't even need to go for the walk. You can just call upon it. So developing these relationships and really, you know, one of the practices that I have learned and do encourage people is to make physical offerings because that opens the gateway and the doorway to these interactions and relationships that then deepen. And once you open them and really foster them, they're right there. So in in the beginning, it does take a little time and we are all busy and it is a little bit challenging to add another thing. But once you do it, then it's there and it's it's very supportive and enriching. Okay, so when you're saying make physical offerings, are you referring to the principle of Aini, like in uh, Native American, like uh, you don't ever take anything from the land without giving back? Is that what you're saying? A physical offering? Yeah, reciprocity. Yes. Yeah, reciprocity. Yes. Okay. I yeah. am. That's. Can you talk more about that? Because I think that's a very important concept to get across to people. Like. You know, who who doesn't walk along the beach, see a beautiful shell and pick it up, be like, oh, I love this. And they want to take it home. Right. But I think in the American culture, we don't understand this principle of reciprocity and its importance. So please share. Well, a lot of this comes out of the teachings of the the Dagara lineage that I am initiated into. Mm -hmm. And that's a long story on its own, but it's a West African tradition from Burkina Faso, and it was brought to this country by a man named Maladoma Somme. And so I'm initiated as a stick diviner in that tradition. And that's where I learned even, that's where, I mean, I'd heard about it before, but then I was really taught 
to make physical offerings, meaning, yes, offering milk to the base of a tree and not asking for anything in the beginning. Just, hi, I, I see you. I'd like to be your friend. I'd like to open a relationship with you. And just pouring the milk at the base of the tree and then continuing making offerings. And those initial offerings are just opening what I like to call direct access, which is part of what was really cut off with a lot of the major religions that became very popular is you weren't allowed to have direct access. So that's one of the main things that cut us off from being in transpermeable consciousness, being in this state of oneness, connectedness, is that if you can't have direct access, you know, then then how are you going to do it? Yes, so we that have to starts go through to, the, the priests. We have to go through the church to, to mm-hmm. connect with God, basically. Yeah. Right. So that starts to open these lines of communication again. And then you might get a response. And so that's also a really important part of it is when you start doing these offerings and making these connections and opening these doorways, you get a response. And that is really fun, first of all. <laughs> but also, it really brings home this idea of everything's a lie because it start. then you're like, oh, I think I just got a response when I offered that milk. That must mean there's something there, right? That's responding to me. And that starts to get stronger and stronger. So in this Dagara tradition, the divination I do is called prescriptive, which means when you come to divination, things are identified as either something that needs to be healed or a potentiality that can be evoked. And you're given rituals to do to go make that happen. And all of those, I always tell people, these are your ways to start these relationships. And we are opening the door. Once you do you can continue, you can deepen it. And it becomes that you start to live in this very alive universe that we all hear about, but you start to really feel it and have those experiences yourself, which that's what makes it real to people. Not just reading about it or hearing about it, but actually having those experiences. I think you hit the nail on the head that it all starts with opening your mind, body, spirit up to the possibility that Mm -hmm. a tree might have a spirit that something that we consider in it uh not uh what's the word i'm looking for Uh, inanimate Mm -hmm. Uh, an inanimate object is alive and has a spirit i mean it, it all begins with just being open to that possibility and then being in the feminine realm of ourself to just be with it and give it some space to reveal itself, however that might be. And it's not usually in the form that we expect. It's usually very, very, very subtle. It's not like you're going to get hit over the head with a, you know, all of a sudden the tree moved and it put its branch around my shoulder as if to hug me. Like it's not that obvious. And that's the beauty of it is, the whole it's like kind of a catch 22 to be more to be able to receive this type of communication you have to be in touch with the subtleties of essence of life because it is a subtle essence of communicating so the the way to start is to just start right you have to cultivate that ability in yourself and it's 
It's very, very subtle and being open to however that may be. And then I would also add, keep, keep, keep at it. Cause sometimes it takes a while. Like you can get frustrated. Like I keep trying to talk to the trees and I'm not hearing anything. You know, it's like, you got to keep at it. Do you have any tips for us? I think those are really good points you're making. First of all, about their being receptive. Yeah. And not having any um, expectations. Cause you, like you're saying, you really don't know what the response is going to be like. And everybody has their own individual way of receiving information. So mm-hmm. some people hear things, feel things, see things, but sometimes it's just a, a warm feeling in your heart. It can be that simple, you know, and that's enough too. So and you know what, I, you know what I've learned too is that um, sometimes like, it, it can be, the, let's just say, let's say a tree, right? I'm out in my backyard and I'm kind of praying and kind of just trying to be pet present and open. And then I th- I really just focus on one of the trees in particular that I want to connect with. What I usually do, Teresa, is I just start really just complimenting the tree and thanking the tree. Like, you're so beautiful. Thank you. Just, just thank you. Has anyone, has any human ever just thanked you for being here? And being so beautiful and such an amazing example because, wow, trees are just so symbolic, right? With the branches re- reaching to the heavens and the roots re- reaching to the earth below. I mean, thank you. And sometimes what can happen is all of a sudden what pops into, I might get like a smell or I might feel mm-hmm. like um, I remember what it was like to smell banana bread when I was 12 in my mom and dad's house. And like, okay, so you would think that has nothing to do, Amy, with the tree talking to you, okay? But it might, right? I mean, it might be. So so what I'm trying to share with the audience is that it could be just don't filter or judge whatever kind of comes in when you consciously put your intention to connect. Be very open to whatever form that may be. I agree. I think that that's perfect advice. And also there is something about getting quiet you know, getting yourself to a place where you're quiet enough to receive. And, you know, with the busyness we're all experiencing and getting busier and busier, you know, it really, it really is about carving out a little bit of time, just a little bit of, just a little bit of time to get quiet and still and listen, because really it is so much about listening and you don't have to, you know, we don't have to go you don't have to give up social media. You don't have to give up other things. You just need to carve out a little, a little time. Because it's a relationship. And like anything that's important to you, a relationship needs attention, which is time to, to, to grow, to flourish, to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, a relationship that's one way is not a relationship, right? It's, it's right. going to die. So mm-hmm. like anything else, if it's important to you, to your point, you just got to carve out a little bit of time, even a couple of minutes. We all have a few minutes, you mm-hmm. know, it takes a moment. And I don't know about you, but I feel like it's waiting for us. It's mm-hmm. waiting oh, for oh, us. Yes. It's right there. It's like, hello. I mean, that's what Aphrodite is, right? She's the one of her many facets is the goddess of beauty, but it's not physical, external, superficial beauty. It's noticing the beauty in our lives. That's yeah. all around us right now. Like that beautiful tree, that beautiful little squirrel running over there up that tree. I see. I mean, just taking a moment because it's right there. 
we're all looking for these amazing things. And it's like, well, and that's something actually I want to talk to you about. Uh, I'd love your perspective, Teresa, on this very popular notion um, in our circles to make sacred the mundane. I know it's very popular among uh, wise women and witches. They want to call themselves that. Make sacred the mundane. Can you talk to us about what that means to you and why it's important? Oh, well, I have to say it's the first time I've heard it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm sure you've practiced it. You probably haven't heard it coined, but I'm sure you've practiced it in your training. Yeah. It's about being, being present. It's about being present. Yeah. yeah. And, and fully, yeah. like if you're doing the dishes, you're not stressed out that, oh, God damn it, I got to do the dishes and I don't have time to do it. And I got to do this and I got to do laundry and then I got, then the phone's ringing. You know, it's like, it's how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's why like in the old, you know, in the uh, mystery schools, they would make the initiates sweep the floor for like, like seriously a month. Just keep sweeping the floor, sweeping, sweeping, sweeping the floor. Tomorrow you're going to sweep the floor. And next week, guess what? You're going to sweep the floor. So they had to learn to make sacred the mundane. And mm-hmm. it's like then they could kind of pass over into the next stage. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, okay. So do you have, what are some of your favorite personal practices that you do to stay connected and, and dialed in? Well, the first thing is I don't, I don't expect myself to be that all the time. So I let myself off the hook to be human, (laughs) have a human life. And because otherwise that can become really anxiety provoking, I think. The second thing is how do I, well, I mean, I have an enormous amount of shrines. And so I tend to the shrines. And that again comes from this Dagara tradition that I'm initiated into. It comes with a lot of shrines that you build to certain entities, and then you take care of the shrines, and part of that is making offerings. So I would say the main thing I do is make offerings to the shrines. I also do divination, so I'm asking questions, you know, are is, is an offering needed? Who needs it? And then I'm told to go do it, so I'm actually doing a lot of work all the time with my shrines and then of course I do divinations for people and that is a way that I tap in very deeply to spirit so I would say tending my shrines and my daily walk are are my main practices Mm -hmm. my daily walk is my definite intentional time to be with spirit and tend to my friends in the other world. But every day is different depending on what I'm called to do as a medicine woman. And some days are are busier than others, but I also do see my writing as a spiritual practice. So I feel that I really tap into whatever I'm trying to learn about and um when I'm writing and researching. So that's another daily practice that I have. And can you define for us divination, just for the audience to understand when you're referring to that, what it, what exactly does that mean? So divination is, it's, it's um, 
the kind of divination I do is very unique. It's called stick divination. And so if you were to come in for a divination, I literally would be sitting on a stool with a stick and a lot of little um, objects, sticks and stones next to me. And once I invoked, so invocation is another very big part of my practice. I would then, the stick becomes how I see. And once I invoke, I'm able to see basically who's with you, the client, and what is most important for you to know about that's going on in your, in the spiritual dimensions around you. So it's different for everyone, depending on literally what's going on and what their belief system is. This, this uh, practice doesn't, it really doesn't discriminate at all. Any belief system is welcome. They will talk to you through your own belief system. That's part of what makes it very fascinating for me is I get to learn about all these different belief systems and I get to see who's with different people. And we live in a culture where there's so much variety that I, I get to, it's, it's like a candy shop for me because I get to learn about so much. So ancestors can come through or angels or spirit guides or and then of course potentialities and I I communicate those to the person who comes for the divination and again the rituals are prescribed for how to best heal something or make those happen and so that's that's divination so it can be similar to what people think of as oracle or tarot reading but it has a very different quality in that it's looking directly at the person in the moment and the potentialities that are there and healings that that would benefit them. But the whole idea is you're connecting with the divine, the one, the source element. Connecting with source, but also connecting with what I perceive as a lot of different dimensional realms. There's I there's so many different dimensional realms and I call it the hierarchy of beings. And so source, I would say, is the largest being in the hierarchy. But then archangels can come in and they kind of have a different function and want something different from the person or angels are even different than archangels. And then there can be just all kinds of it's a very large spectrum when I do stick divination that's available to me. In your experience, Teresa, do you feel that every human has its own assigned spiritual team when a soul carnates and is born? Are we assigned a little, you know, some people call them angels, spirit guides. Do we each have our own? And if so, are they permanent for life? Do they change? What do you, what do you find? I think everyone has their own, um, what I call their own hierarchy of their own cosmology is what I call it. But I don't know about assigned. I would say that they've developed these relationships over multiple lifetimes. And a lot of them continue on with us through multiple lifetimes. Mm -hmm. So we come in with it. Yes, we definitely come in with it. But it's something that I, I think we've been working with for a very long time. Have you As our soul had, evolves. Have you had direct experiences with dark and like black magic or dark forces? Um, well, I think I have a bit of a different take on that than a lot of people. But yes, 
Can you share it with us? Like, what was it scary? What happened? Was it in a shamanic journey? Uh, well, uh, well, there's a lot of different ways that it's been experienced by me. Um, me personally, I feel Knockwood pretty protected. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you had it. Uh, you've had encounters though is that what i'm hearing you i say? have seen what i would what do i call it a dark energies yes many many times and i've been asked to clean them up and i've been asked to um uh, well depending again on the belief system I mean, yeah even been asked to exercise them you know i mean the beings that i work with um they use specific language that and I don't want to offend people. Like if someone's Catholic, they might not like me saying that I'm doing exorcisms. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they will use that word, and it's simply because that's the appropriate word for the appropriate thing that needs to happen based on the other person's belief system. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain words do carry words carry power, so they're very specific. But what I have. And I have experienced sorcery and I have seen sorcery. That's what I mean. I mean, black magic when I say sorcery. Okay. Okay. Um, I know that that word is, is also um, used in other ways, but a lot of the teachings I've received are. It's not that there's certain beings that are out to get us, like that are not connected to us. So this idea that there's beings out there that are, that are out to get us that we have no relationship with, I feel is misguided. I, I do feel that there are dark energies. I have been told if you encounter them, you're to ask them what they need. Mm-hmm. So they're not because it could have been created out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And we humans have created a lot of the dark energies that are, let's say, around by our own thought forms and our own actions and by feeding them. But I don't know that they exist necessarily independently of us. So it's kind of this teaching of you're creating, you know, if if you create your own experience, you're also creating these shadows. And then you're feeding them and then you're saying, oh, that thing's out to get me. But it's a collective shadow. So that's very simplistic. And, you know, so for anyone who's listening and saying that's so simple. Yes, I know it's a simplified uh, thing to say, but, you know, each one is different and has its own history. And. And a lot of them have been around for a long time. So they actually have developed their own autonomy, just like gods and goddesses have. But we have kind of cultivated these, these, a lot of these shadows. And so I, I try to, I, I was taught in a very strong way to ask it what it needs and, and, and give it what it wants, meaning food, energy a home there's there's you know and then that's a way to heal it mm-hmm. so i don't know um and, I, and i'll add that i was taught similar to you to 
identify it. First of all, that which you resist persists, right? So you tr- <laughs> the whole idea is try not to be afraid, although it's going to be quite scary most of the time. Mm-hmm. And if, rather than kind of push it away, like, ah, you know, we don't, it's, it's trying to tell you something. It's here for a reason to your point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it's self-created or not subconsciously, but, or it's an element that we are projecting within ourselves, right? So to ask it, its name often helps and mm-hmm. to definitely give it, give it the floor. Like, what is it that you're here to tell me? Because if we take that objective stance, you know, the, that, you know, the Buddhist mind of like, you know, the observer, right. Of, oh, wow, this is happening. What's the reason, you know, what, what are you here to tell me, to share with me and just see what happens. Cause usually to your point, it's there for a reason. Like there's a reason, some, some reason. Yeah. I've seen a lot of um, what might feel like dark entities that arise from thought thoughtless treatment of the earth. Mm-hmm. And it kind of creates this vacuum that then becomes an energy. So there's all different ways, but you're right. I Yeah, the healing. Yeah, I was told, you know, the grandmothers told me that I had to not engage in what they call the war vibration. So that was very, um, I was surprised because I was like, I don't, I don't engage in the war vibration. And they said, well, if you're like, if you're being defensive in your medicine work, then you're engaging in the war vibration. So if you feel something negative, the point is to ask it what it needs and, and that there's Mm -hmm. healing. It's come for healing rather than, that's it. I'm going to do all these things to get this away from me. And this is bad. So it's it's a subtle shift, but it's been really helpful to me in my work. Let's talk about your work with your, your going into your lineage and the grandmothers. You, you speak a lot about connecting with your great grandmother who, or should I say after she passed, who has been a mentor to you basically. And those are my words, but can you share with us what what your relationship is with your great grandmother, why it's significant, what she's taught you. Oh, it's just been the most, probably one of the most important relationships of my life. Yes. Yeah. I work with her every day. Um, and tell us how she came in. Like, is what, wasn't it your aunt who said you need to get in touch with your lineage and, and the whole thing started uh, snowballed from there? Yes. Yes. I had a, had a wonderful aunt named Aunt Caroline. And she would always remind us that our great-grandmother was a strega, which is an Italian wise woman. Um, and, you know, so it was kind of growing up, it was just something that would come up now and then. And she would teach us little things like to how to tell how many children a woman was going to have by holding a needle over her hand. And later I realized that that was a pendulum, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were, and that, and that's, What's interesting when you said that making the mundane, mundane sacred, well, that's what the witches always did because they didn't have, you know, a needle was the pendulum. Mm, that's my point. So, yes. After I wrote my two creep books, you know, then she came up to me again and, and, and now it was beyond 30. And she started telling me again about my great grandmother and you need to know who she is. And, and I just had this moment of why am I not listening to this woman? She's, you know, and I have my own lineage, but it just, it hadn't been passed to me. So I didn't even really know where to begin. Um, 
So I wrote a novel about my great grandmother and that's how I got to know her. And it was like eight years, I think. And, and when I finished it, um, I, I really missed her. And I, in a shamanic journey, I went to find her. It just was, it was um, something I read somewhere. I was like, don't wait for them to come to you, go find them. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go find her. So I went and I found her and she started to teach me um, from the beyond. For me, it's very visual. It's not for everybody, but for me, it's very visual. I'll get an image and then I will kind of dissect that image and try to understand the image. But I also hear her voice very, very strongly. And she is very authoritative and um, I do not argue with her. <laughs> she, she, um, I appreciate the guidance. I, I really appreciate the guidance and that I can absolutely trust her. So she's my go-to ancestor, definitely. Okay, so how did you, what was your methodology for establishing the connection with her? What Teresa, did you start by, I meditated every day for 20 minutes and all of a sudden after eight months, she came through one morning. Like what, how did you establish that connection with her since she was crossed over? On my walks. And she's the one who brought me to the trees. So on my walks, they're meditative walks, but then she started leading me to the trees and and teaching me about the trees and teaching me how to work with the trees and teaching me to connect the trees to each other and, and teaching me what it means to be a mom through the trees. So I would say through the trees, but really what happened is when I was searching and when she had started teaching me, I went for a divination in this in this system that I'm now initiated into. And I was told that I could become a diviner. And my great grandmother came into that divination and told me to do it. So I went ahead with that path because I knew this was how she was going to teach me through learn through becoming a diviner and learning some skills to be able to talk to her. So this Dagara divination system actually is what returned me to my lineage and is what gave me the skills to know how to contact my great grandmother and how to talk to her and how to listen. And through that, it's just, it's just been evolving and evolving and evolving to the point that, well, after 10 years um, or more, I feel like I'm finally really learning about my lineage of origin, but it's taken that long. Had you met her before she passed? No, no. She was dead when I was born. That's incredible. So, and how did you know it was actually her and not another soul? Well, I had, when I wrote the book, you know, I had interacted with her and it was the same voice. So that's what I mean. Like I, I realized after I became a diviner that writing for me is a form of divination. And that's because what, you just get in the, you get in the zone. It's just, you feel like it's coming through you, not from you when you're writing. Right. I'm listening and I'm basic, yep. basic dictation yep. kind of, I mean, uh -huh. obviously I have to rewrite, but I'm listening. Yeah. And I'm seeing uh -huh. the story and I'm listening and I'm hearing her voice and I, I know her signature. I know her soul stamp. I know. And that was the, it was the same. It was the same one. 
I love that expression. I've never heard that before. A soul stamp. Can you can you tell us what you how you define that? That's beautiful. Oh well, I think we all have soul patterns, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, you know, the word soul is another one that can be a little tricky. Yeah, but I have not found a better one, any any better word in English anyway to replace it. But I believe that we have patterns that we carry through multiple lifetimes, and that is what I would call our soul stamp. I love that. And and may I ask, what was your grandmother's unique one that you knew it was her? Oh. Uh, like, was there something about that communication that you kind of always knew it was her? Yeah, the authoritative voice, definitely. You will do this. You will do this now. Here's why you will do it. You will not do that. <laughs> wow. What are the top three things that she taught you, Teresa? Well, she's teaching me how to be a medicine woman. And Mm -hmm. that would be the top one. She's still teaching me and she's kind of teaching me about um, what happens after we die. And a lot of it's surprising to me. I didn't know that we kept evolving after we died. She's really teaching me that. And, you know, she's teaching me to be fierce. She's very fierce. And it really came through when, when I wrote the book. And, and I loved her for it. <laughs> and I and I saw some of myself in her. And that part of myself that maybe I wasn't always appreciated for. You know, ferocity in a woman is often not welcome. Mm -hmm. So knowing that that's what she wanted more from me than anything was for me to be like being fierce. What does that look like? Really fighting for what I think is important, not right, but important and really standing up and using my voice and really saying no, really saying no. And just being good with all that. Such an important lesson for so many of us women. You know, I'm in the process of producing my own online course. And I talk Mm. about the four life process archetypes of the feminine. And one of them is the warrior or the heroine. And that's a whole archetype that I feel is very much underexpressed in the world right now. Women finding their voice, not only for themselves, but for the children for the earth, for the creatures, the innocent that can't protect themselves. We're so afraid of what everyone else thinks about us and offending people mm-hmm. and, and you know, uh, how other people are going to perceive us. And God forbid we come across as a B-I-T-C-H or whatever, you know, and it's like we are not speaking up. And we women always have had a voice throughout history. We've had a voice. The men respected the women's intuition, the women's way of knowing, the women's love and nurturing abilities, and the women respected the men for their bravery and their strength and their their goodness. And, and it was a beautiful synergistic relationship. And my hope and prayer is that we get back to that, respecting each other because we're complementary. The, but the women have to have their voices respected because it's coming from a place of love and of value and meaning and life, right? Life affirmative. I agree. Exactly. Life affirmative. 
mm-hmm. and we have to have our voices. And saying no, it, it doesn't have to be angry. Perfect. So right? important. Yes. Just like it doesn't no. have to be, it doesn't have to be your raging lunatic. It's like, mm-hmm. no, just a firm boundary. Exactly. No, no means no. And that's mm-hmm. another thing I've been learning as I get older is emotional boundaries. Is that, you know, I, I call myself an ex people pleaser. And, um, I, my, my boundaries were blurry because I was always, you know, afraid of offending and all that stuff. But God, I was a mess emotionally because it was like, what about me? You know, and then, and it always backfires because you end up resenting the people. Cause if you really don't want to do something, you're only going to resent the people that you're doing it for. But anyway, that's a whole nother tangent. But, but I love that you're bringing up this fierceness that you've, that your grandmother, has taught you. Thank God for the stragas. Thank God for the wise women, right. because women teach women how to be women. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Is there anything right. else that comes to mind that her in her wise wisdom years that she shared with you? Well, she still is. You know, every day I work with her. So, um, I would say she's taught me how to be a mentor. Because when I was going to um, be initiated finally into this stick divination, Mm -hmm. um, she said to me, well, okay, you can go and do this now, but you have to first, like the night before I had to dedicate myself to the goddess. And she told me how to do it. I had to do a ritual because she said, that's first. So cool. That's first for you. Yes, it is. I was really thankful. So lucky. And then she said, if you do this, you have to promise me that you will do for other women what you didn't have. Which means I didn't have her, right? I mean, I had her on the other side, but I did not have a physical female teacher passing a lineage to me. I did not have my elders taking me when I was nine and saying, all of those things you're experiencing are because you're a medicine woman and we're going to teach you how to be one. And that is so sad, right? Yep. Yep. And she said, so you promised me now you will do for other women what you didn't get. And I so full body goosebumps. Oh my yes. gosh. Wow. 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 Yes. Yes. I'm like, sh- I'm like cold. Oh, that's amazing. Shivering all over. That's so right? powerful. So powerful. So that's what I've been doing. And she's guiding me. You know, I know I have her. I really don't think I could do it without her. I just, you know, I just pray to her all the time. I make offerings. Any divination when something is difficult, I I pick up the piece that is her and I say, Dominica, (laughs) I need your help. And she's always there. And she's there for every one of the mentees that I have initiated and it's the gratitude is just beyond. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I just never. curious to do your mentees also have direct contact with her or is it always yes. through you? They, they do have, have direct contact with her. Yep. They have their own relationship with her as well, or yes. do they also find their own stragas? Like, you know, everyone has kind of some like their own, their own lineage. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of my specialty. Tell us about because that. I had that experience where mm-hmm. I've been recovering my own lineage through this dagger of divination system, which is so generous in that it wants to help us find 
our own medicine lineages, spiritual lineages. So yes, a lot of people that I have initiated have their own um, that we identify and then we work toward them. Again, it's it's not an overnight thing. You know, it takes a while to return a spiritual lineage that's been broken. It's a lot of work. But yes, a lot of most of them have their own lineage and they're proceeding down the road of of recovering that as well as doing the the diagnostic divination and helping other people as well. You see, this is fascinating because um wow, I'm sure a lot of my listeners and subscribers and watchers on YouTube are medicine women or at least inclined toward that elk and I mean, a lot of us, our lineage, we probably have witch burning in there somewhere, our heritage, right, Teresa? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of it's very dark. And they say that seven generations, things get passed through the DNA. And a lot of us are afraid of opening up that box mm -hmm. again because we don't want to be persecuted. So what are your thoughts on that? Right. You had experience with that. It's so huge. This is so huge. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, and, it, and it's. I mean, it applies to other cultures as well, but as, as Americans, this is huge for, for us because most of our ancestors, those, those of us who are not from this continent, they left lineages behind. And those lineages were often already broken with the, with the Inquisition and the witch burnings. And a lot, there is a lot of fear yeah. in all of us because of that. And it's very understandable. And there is a lot of darkness around that. Um, however, you know, what's been fascinating for me is over and over again, it's the grand, the great grandmothers and the grandmothers that come into the divinations to try to help restore these lineages. So that is so fascinating to me mm -hmm. because, and they, a lot of times they'll say, we couldn't do it. Like we came here. We really, we could not be witches. You know, they would have still been persecuted. They said, you, this generation that we're in now, mine and the ones coming after me, now you can, you can, you actually can do it. Like we're in a time where it's more accepted, you know, yeah. maybe you'll get made fun of, but you know, you got to take the risk to be who you are. But they said, you can actually bring these lineages back now. And I can actually see how, how they actually hid them in time. Getting very esoteric now, but this has been so fascinating for me. I can see these, what I call, um, these packets of memory. Mm. <laughs> I call them memory packets. Mm -hmm. I can see them and they're, it's like they've been set in the, what let's call ether, right? By these ancestresses who knew, who knew that they were going to have to hide their lineage. They had to protect them because they right? knew they were and being they destroyed. they them there mm -hmm. for us to find now. Yeah. And it's just fascinating. Each one is different. Each one is unique. A lot of times they make me in the divination, if they're revealing to the client a certain um, ritual that is specific to their lineage, they'll, they'll, I have to promise I won't use it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not of that lineage. They'll make me promise that I'm only delivering the information. It's, I'm aware it's not my lineage. Because the lineages are very particular about that you 
have a biological or or a spiritual. You know, it doesn't have to be biological, but it's your lineage and it's not mine. Mm. <laughs> and I have to say I'm hands off. I'm just delivering the information. And sometimes they'll even put a little piece of it in there. Like um, they'll tell the person, like, you're going to be given this word and we're not going to tell her. <laughs> Wow. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Please. I, I'm, I welcome the protection, you know, I, I, but it's fascinating. Yeah. So there's, and, and there's so many that want to come back now. Right. Okay. So when we say lineage, we're talking, let's just say like me, Amy, my lineage would be the women generations before me biologically. That's what we're. And it can be your father too. My Mine's on my oh. father's side. So not just the, the, the women. Right. I so mean, my bloodline seems like it's blood. a lot of the grandmothers that are kind of coming in wanting to restore them for the women. But it, you could have a lineage on either side. OK, OK. So I'm just curious and I know we're getting to the end here. Have you ever worked with anyone who doesn't have known biological ties in this life? So let's say they're adopted or something and they're looking to find their lineage and they have yes. nothing, nothing tangible to go on because they're adopted. Right. So as I, I have said many times before, the spirits really don't care if you're adopted or if you're biological. If you're adopted, you just have more ancestors. Your, your biological ancestors show up in divinations as well as your adoptive. Oh. So you learn, you get twice as many because you get your adopted. You just have more ancestors. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I guess there's the 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 uh, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow there for your adopted people. Oh, that's so cool. I yeah. There, there can be lineages in the adoptive family and the biological family. You know. Uh huh. And um, I'm just curious the, the 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 lineage work that you do. Um, do you find that it seems to be preaching to the choir in that the people who contact you to help them find their lineage are because they're they're wanting to find their lineage Teresa because someone's something's trying to get through to them with a message like those are the people finding people like you to help them because for some reason they're trying to get through to you mm -hmm. yeah I would say a lot of times that's the case sometimes people come in and they're they're told they had a lineage and they had no idea but then they'll say well, come to think of it. But, you know, right. I mean, some people also are not interested, you know. Right. So, yeah, right. they're not going to come for divination. And and everybody, I don't think everyone has a spiritual lineage. I used to think. No. But it, it is certain people and that are looking, yeah, that tend to find me. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Not everyone has a spiritual lineage. How how can that be, though? Because we're all spiritual. I mean, we're all, we all are so... Well, I mean, a, a medicine... A specific lineage that was practiced for years and years and that they were a part of that line. Uh, I mean, okay. we're all spiritual and we all we all have spirituality and we all have. Yeah. But to have a, an actual like, I, you know, my line is Strega. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have Celtic lineages. Some people have if they're Chinese, I'll see a Chinese ancient Chinese lineage or, you know, but but it's these these ones that have been really deliberately practiced for years and years and years by by their village or their ancestors and they are mm -hmm. either born into it or initiated into it okay this has been incredible 
Incredible. Such important stuff. So different, I'm sure, for my audience to learn, but so, so important. Um, before I ask you to share with us how we can find you if we want your help in getting our lineage and all your books and your three websites, um, any final tips on the beginner who wants to start a practice of their own divination, of their own connection to their soul, to the great spirit, and to possibly their lineage line or their own stragas, their own wise women, their mm-hmm. own helpers? Any tips to help us get started? I would say if you really feel strongly that you are are of a spiritual lineage in, in past lives or biologically, and you feel really drawn to pursuing that, that you find a path, it doesn't matter what it is, um, that resonates with you and and where there's a, where you learn skills. You learn skills, you learn how to protect yourself, you learn either it's a pendulum or I have the cowrie shells or you learn how to communicate using tools, your top basic really important methods and and you and you get initiated. It's important it is very important to get initiated, have those formal ceremonies and and to kind of know what you're doing because until you know I was I was in my four, late 40s. <laughs> But I had, and I had all these gifts. I mean, it's the same gifts that I'm using, but I didn't have any skills. I hadn't been taught and I didn't know how to use my gifts and I didn't know how, how to share them. So once I became a diviner, everything kind of lined up for me because now I had an actual technology and I, an understanding of how to do the work. And then it just deepens and deepens and you keep learning. But I would say get yourself on a path and in someone you really trust that can actually teach you and, and initiate you. And when you work with people, such good advice, by the way, such you can have gifts, but it doesn't mean you have skill in using mm-hmm. them in execution. Um, it, when you work with people, Teresa, do you, is it a, because you're teaching them skills? First of all, can it be, can it be virtually? to teach them or do they have to be in person? And second of all, what's the length of time that's typical for them to kind of get a good base skill level? Um, I have found I can teach people remotely. I definitely know that the the people that are local have a lot of a easier time yeah. because we have a community. Sure. And so it can be really hard when you're alone and learning this, yeah. these things and, yeah. and you don't even have anyone to talk to about it. So yeah. I recommend people find someone near you if you can. If you can't, it definitely works remote. Divinations work remotely and, um, and always being told to teach people through divination. You asked if it could be done remotely. What was the other yep. part of that? And, and, and the typical length of time. Oh, the length of time. Right. So um, between two and five years. Wow. Of working every month, every week? Well, yes. Uh, Well, you're working all the time because you come for divination and you're given all kinds of work and then you go do the work and then you come for another divination. And that's basically Mm -hmm. how this system works. So you don't come back for divination until you've carried out all your work. So it could be that you're working every day, but yeah, then you can come for classes also in that month. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow. Couple times Amazing. a month. Yep, this is like so powerful. I'm sure that there's going to be people who want to contact you to find out more to get 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 in there. 
Thank you so much, Teresa. How can we find you to Thank find you. to get help on, on honing our skills and to find all your books? So my personal website is ritualgoddess.com. That's with an R, ritualgoddess.com. That has all my books and you can access a place to book a divination. And then I also have stregatree.com. So strega, S-T-R-E-G-A, tree.com. And that is for my community, the community that has formed around this work. And there's there's lots of rituals on that website, you know, just giveaways. And my books are on both websites. And then another project that I didn't talk about is Nasty Women Writers. Oh, yes. So this is a website that I created with my sister, Mm -hmm. which uh, is concerned with, you know, really getting the names of women out there, women that people don't know about. We call them nasty because... We, because Donald Trump has called every powerful woman nasty. So we decided that nasty means you must be pretty darn powerful to be called nasty. So it's nasty women writers for women who have their voices and will not be silenced. And we cover women writers and artists. Makes me think of Janet Jackson's song, Nasty, Nasty Girls. Don't ever change. Oh, you nasty girls. (laughs) Right. Well. Go, Janet. All right. <laughs> nasty women writers. That that works. Okay. Ritual Goddess, Strega Tree, and Nasty Woman Writers, and your eight and a half books. Yes. And, and my latest book is co-written with my niece, who is also oh. got initiated. So I was able to pass the lineage on oh. in my family. And it's actually an Oracle deck that we have created. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure. Your grandmother's great grandmother's very happy about that. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Amazing. Teresa, any final thoughts as we wrap up today? Yes, I would just tell people, you know, just don't be alone. You know, if you really feel like you you have these gifts and don't be ashamed of them. I mean, it's such a gift to the world to be able to to see, to be a seer and to to know things and to find someone to help you be in your power don't be afraid of your power mhm mhm don't be afraid of your power don't be afraid of your power what perfect closing thoughts don't be afraid of your power repeat after me everybody don't be afraid don't of my power don't be afraid of your power yes <laughs> i love it well you obviously way to go great grandmother you definitely have passed on the wise women uh, attributes to your great granddaughter. I, I mean, it comes through in your words. And again, Thank perfect, you. perfect closing. Don't be afraid of your power. I think I need to hear that myself too. We all do. And uh, one of the missions of my show is to bring on wise women because I always say we need positive women role models. We mm-hmm. need to see what it looks like to be a self possessed. Uh, indiv- indivisible woman who is has her own agency, her own sovereignty, and is living true to her values, is aligned in mind, body, and soul. And um, I-, I love it. You're you're a great contribution to the show. So, Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amy, and thanks for all the work you do. It's really beautiful. 
You got it. Okay. Well, my friends, here we go. We're all in this together. So please check out and support Teresa's work. All that will be in the show notes if you're driving or you're busy multitasking. Uh, we're super grateful that you're walking along with us in this journey. And um, wow, I'm just, I feel very encouraged to know there's people like you in the world spreading this wise wisdom. And uh, if you want to support me, you know what to do. Subscribe to the show, share it with another woman who might benefit from it and jump on my email list so you can be notified of all the latest good stuff. All right, everybody. Thanks again, Teresa. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show, leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V. And watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also Fit Amy TV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.